somehow I get them to trust us enough to show up at a location on a specific date at a specific time, and then it just goes from there. So, do could, they require you to have a landline to do that, or <laughs> they probably should? It I mean, would be it in really their best is interest. just like it's like a Craigslist deal waiting to go bad, but somehow they just trust us on it. Welcome to Recording Studio Rockstars. I'm Lid Shaw, and this is the podcast created to help you become a rock star of the recording studio. Hello, rock stars. It's Lid Shaw, your host for Recording Studio Rockstars. I created this show to introduce you to real world recording professionals to hear their stories and learn from their experiences so that you can take your records to the next level and be a rock star of the studio yourself. Today, I have a special show for you with two very cool guests, Stephen Turney and Michael Hardesty. These guys produce, engineer, and mix both records and music videos. Together, they created 24 Hour Records, a YouTube web series that handpicks a team of musicians, locks them in a studio, and tasks them with writing and recording three original songs in 24 hours. Each episode is brought to you from a different recording studio. And even the Toy Box Studio has been home to one of these creative all-nighters. I'll include a link to that video in the show notes, of course. The entire bleary-eyed, coffee-addled musical journey is captured on film, record, and photos. Then the footage is distilled down to its very essence to create one 12-minute episode and three music videos. 24-Hour Records is also part of the larger Made In Network, an eclectic YouTube network pairing up cool music-themed shows like 24-Hour Records, Find the Beauty, and Music Video Sins. Stephen Turney is a producer and engineer based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Originally hailing from the great state of Texas, Stephen moved to Tennessee to attend the Belmont University recording program and has been making records ever since. Musically, he's a pianist by trade, an engineer by necessity, and a producer by proxy. Stephen has also worked with me at the Haybell Studio at Bonnaroo and various records at the Toy Box Studio. Michael Hardesty is from Ohio, originally having also moved to Nashville for the Belmont University recording program. He is the production director at Made In Network and continues to produce and engineer in the studio, as well as being the head engineer for the Bonnaroo Haybell Studio. Thanks so much for joining us on Recording Studio Rockstars. Stephen and Michael, are you ready to rock? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Nothing but the finest. We're ready to rock. Absolutely. Super cool. Really cool to have you guys here. I've done my best to uh, introduce you and say what I know about you and wh what you guys do, but can you introduce yourselves and let us know who you are? My name is Michael Hardesty. Uh, I did come to Nashville to study recording at Belmont University and spent the first couple of years of life after school making records and then created 24-hour records along with Steven and got roped into the Made in Network and have really kind of focused my efforts on expanding what I work on creatively to include not only music, but video and graphic production. So that's where we're at today. Awesome, dude. That sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. So. I mean, I hope Super so. Excited. I hope so. He's in. He's enthused. You guys got to believe me. Stevens, uh, aka Megahertz, is a super exciting dude. He is. Exciting. He's just holding back. He's going to deliver. You don't want a moment him, here. It's going to be over the top. You don't want to get him rowdy. One day, <laughs> one day, it'll all come to fruition, and I will be more excited than everyone else combined. 
<laughs> all at once. Wait, did I just call you Steven? Yeah, Steven, a.k.a. Megahertz. Nice. Yeah, that's all wrong. You got, all Michael's right. you, got the, you got the Brad Jones and Robin Eaton yeah. syndrome. Yeah. All right. Awesome. It's well, Stephen so we're Hardesty. off to a really good start here. This began with the printer not working. So, Steven, uh, tell, us, tell us about yourself. Man. All right. I'm Steven Turney. I'm a producer and engineer here in Nashville. So Michael and I went to school together, and we started making records together. As soon as we got out of school, I saved records, maybe like one record a year and living below the poverty line and mostly doing that and being uninsured, all those good things. The poverty line's overrated, dude. Yeah. It's, overrated. it's amazing what you can get by with if you cram a lot of people into a house and just keep rent real low and break lots of laws. So yep. did that for a few years and now, fortunately, I'm above the poverty line and still just making records and doing 24-hour records with Michael and... It's been good. We're making a living now. Well, you guys want to kick us off with a little inspiration? You got any, you got any inspirational quotes you want to share with oh, us? Yeah. Like something to get, a, get us going? We definitely have the inspirational quotes. Yeah, We've been preparing yeah, for, for weeks The iPhones are coming out now. It's great. That's right. My inspirational quote is from the Hunter S. Thompson. And oh, yeah. it states, I have a theory that the truth is never told during the nine to five hours. That's a good one. Interesting. Big win. What about the ten to six hours? Those are my favorites. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, I think you're. I think you can tell the truth. Then you're free and clear. Well, so fill us in. Fill in the blanks on that one. What what all does? That, I mean, you know, Hunter S. Thompson has always been known to be a little bit mysterious. And yeah, I think he probably did more drugs and smoked more cigarettes and drank more alcohol than all of us combined. But I just take that to mean that uh, whenever you find yourself kind of in a routine that maybe alters or suppresses a little bit of creativity, then you just got to shake it up and uh, get back to what you were trying to do. What about um, Dolly Parton? What about working nine to five? What about that? <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that movie nine to five that uses oh, that yeah, as the theme dude, song? Totally. Oh man. I watched that thing like two or three times in a row when I was a little kid, when I was stuck, when my brother was at like a, a little Primacare emergency thing, and I was stuck there. I watched 9 to 5 over, and I watched 9 to 5 probably from 9 to 5. That and um, Harper Valley PTA, double header right there, right? <laughs> what is, wow. I don't even know what that one is. Wow. I can't really remember. It was so long ago. I can't remember if that was a movie or a TV show. but So we're really all about women's rights in the 70s is what we're trying to say. Mm -hmm. That's kind of our speciality. Yeah. Yes. You know, I don't want to jump right into the hard questions yet. I want to Wait, we missed dig in a little bit more. Quote. Oh, yeah, right. right. Oh, we yeah, got, yeah, yeah. We got two inspirational Never quotes. Never had two guests before. I'm not, I don't know how to do this. We're doubly inspired today. Well, I think I'm realizing I should do everything twice. Just do it all twice. Yeah. Right? It's just on me. All right. Okay, here we go. My my inspirational quote is uh, from Rainer Maria Rilke, who's a poet who I'm a big fan of. And this is the quote. It is, surely all art is a result of one's having been in danger of having gone through an experience all the way to the end where no one can go any further. Makes you think, man. I'm stumped, dude. I'm stumped. Yeah. yeah. So help help me out. Dude, it's just uh it's just you gotta you gotta keep pushing, man. You gotta go to the unexplored. So the danger is quitting. I think so. Danger is a life of boredom, maybe. At least for me, I think. Tell us a little bit about twenty four hour records. Tell us a little bit about the beginning of that for you guys. Did somebody show up and give you a manual and say 
Well, here's this idea I had for 24-hour records, <laughs> oh, and I've spelled man. it all out for oh, you. Why don't you guys take it over? Yeah, that would have been really nice. That would have been really nice. Um, no, we started it. Uh, you know, we had an artist friend who, like ourselves, was so broke but still wanted to be creative and, and make music approach us about the definition of a day rate at a studio and what does that mean <laughs> is a day rate eight hours is it 12 hours or perhaps is it 24 hours uh and approached us to produce an engineer project for him that maximized that day rate because now, I th- what about a day if you're on a ship going nearing the speed of light well that's that was the next step if we yeah. didn't do 24-hour records we were going to do light speed records um, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. speed <laughs> records yeah i'm looking forward to that yeah so that's next but um but yeah he he wanted to get in the studio and and try to figure out how many songs he could track and only pay for one day at that studio so mm-hmm. that actually never happened but it's a cool story um, it but never he, came, it he never, was in our very first session. Though. Yeah, he was in our very first session. The unfortunately, his specific idea didn't come to fruition. But we did try to say, well, what if we took that one step further, and you know, bring musicians together that had never met, and then also you know, make them write on the spot. And that's that's kind of how it came to fruition. Everything after that was just us figuring it out along the way. Um, if we had the manual, like Lidge spoke about, that would have saved us a lot of time. I probably could have, you know, Stephen and I could have slept more. Um, but that's never how anything comes together, is it? Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> Not in my life. Stephen, will you describe what 24-hour records is? A little bit. I mean, I, I, yeah. I gave it a pretty brief cursory yeah, description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. Well, yeah, so you, what you were talking about was that we get a few musicians and get them in the studio together. And then from that, it's kind of just a free for all as far as whatever they want to do and what they want to write. And really Michael and I are there primarily to make sure that there aren't any boundaries or any borders that like are pushing back on people. So it's that, you know, they get in and one of us is engineering or another one of the guys that we work with, maybe we've hired on for the day to help us out and so everything's ready for them to roll, you know, if they want to plug in some synth that's up in the corner of the studio, like we make sure it's ready to go like quick so that if they have an idea, they can just jump into it. Um, I think that like in a lot of ways for us, when we're producing those sessions, like on the floor in the studio is a lot less about like pushing for like a musical direction, which we will do sometimes, but it's more about like efficiency and speed, making sure people are comfortable, making sure everyone can just like jump in and immediately explore any idea that they have. Like, you know, when we're going in there, it's not like we're spending a lot of time like dialing in sounds perfectly because there is no time, you know, to do any of that. So you're kind of just in, you're going, if you have like level the tape, you're good pretty much. And then you just make it work from there. Are there any like tried and true icebreakers? I mean, are these musicians, are they like the best of friends? Are they all in the same band? They grew up <laughs> together since third grade or are they strangers? In the right. Band? Yeah. Um, the majority of them are strangers. And oftentimes, you know, Stephen and I haven't even met them. The relationship kind of just starts with a phone call to them or their manager and 
somehow I get them to trust us enough to show up at a location on a specific date at a specific time. And then it just goes from there. So I mean, do could, they require you to have a landline to do that? Or <laughs> they probably should. <laughs> I it mean, would be it in really is just like, it's like a Craigslist deal waiting to go bad, but somehow they just trust us on it. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe that we've done 16 of these and none of them have ever went down in flames, but yeah, we have. it is kind of amazing. Cause I mean, I used to get, and I'm sure you did too, get super nervous before we would go into these things. And it would just, because I kept thinking like, oh, like, is this going to be the time that yeah. everything just yeah. falls apart? And there are definitely ones that have gone better than others, but I've never afterwards been like dissatisfied with the music no, and not thought it was not. cool in its own way. Definitely it's just not. like, they'll all be different. There are definitely ones that are not sessions that weren't fun, right? but I'm always like, we got like what we came there to get at the end. And and actually speaking of a logistical nightmare, uh, the session we did here, uh, two artists canceled on me within 72 hours. Those mother scratchers. Right. Yeah. So within 72 hours, I had to find two completely new artists that I had never talked to before (laughs) those 72 hours. (laughs) So that was kind of a rough one. Yeah. Have you ever had anybody show up and they're just like, yeah, uh, I'm the musician for the 24 hour record. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've definitely had some, we've had some shy members that don't really seem to get into the spirit of 24 hour records. So that's always like something yeah. I'm yeah. trying to judge on the phone is like, are they totally outgoing enough? To yep. That is something it? too. And I'm sure you've gotten a better feel for this, but like sometimes there'll be musicians in town or people that I'm talking to and they'll ask about it or they're interested in it and doing it. And like, they might be musicians I really like, but like, I can just tell that like, they're just not going to thrive in that environment. And it's just not a good idea. Cause like, yeah. they're going to be unhappy with it. We're going to be unhappy with it. Um, and it's just sort of, I think it's just a sense you pick up like how flexible people are, like how quick on their feet they are. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is like, I mean, we've been fortunate in that we've gotten a lot of great musicians to come in on these, but musicianship isn't really the key in these kinds of things. It's more just like coming up with cool ideas and being able to just roll with something and just like try something out. Yeah. Um, just making sure they're not a narcoleptic. Right? Yeah. That, that would, <laughs> that be, would a be a serious, That's a right ro- that would be a roadblock. Falling asleep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Narcoleptic. That yeah. Would be, I don't uh, think I've ever actually said narcolept. So I don't know if that's a word. I think, I don't know. That could we knew, be I like, mean, we knew what you meant, so okay. I think it works. Yeah. yeah that's somebody knew. Yeah. Well, so, um, all right. So do you have any icebreakers when these people show up and you need to kind of get them going? Do you guys have like little games? Uh, do, you, do you like have like, you know, crisscross applesauce, yeah. everybody? No, no elementary school games. But, um, you know, a lot of times it's like the singer songwriter circle. Everyone get in the circle, share a song. Um, it's the what have you been listening to lately question. It's the. Hey, it's noon. Is it okay if I crack a beer? Uh, yeah, I'm not your mom kind of thing. And when do you start? Do you guys go from noon to noon? Yeah. Typically? So yeah. So typically our sessions are, are noon to noon. Um, this is why I think that this type of project really only works necessarily in Nashville is because the relationships in Nashville are so, you know, open and everyone's so excited to be collaborative, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if this project works in LA or New York where everyone's like, 
from at least my experience, they're very like closed off and protective and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. people, again, going back to Steven's point, it's like if we make the judgment that someone is excited enough to do this project, they come in and they're so pumped uh, and they're so open about it that they ice break themselves. Yeah, that's true in a lot of ways. Or yeah. Michael goes in and tries to give an awkward pep talk at the beginning and then and then everyone's like, Oh, well, we're not as awkward as this that guy. guy. So, nice. yeah. so now everything's okay. Yeah, my awkward pep talks have become oh, I love them. The yeah, what I look forward to most. I know. So now there's another uh at least one other key player in twenty four hour records that I know of. Do you wanna mm-hmm. give a shout out to anybody else that is a most definitely. Essential there. Brad, our videographer, Brad Cash, videographer, director, editor, everything on uh, that end of stuff. He is the man. I mean, we are super, super lucky to have him because, I mean, we certainly could not possibly like afford or convince someone of his like caliber if we were starting now to like get on board with this without having to just give away everything to them. Um, but Brad has been really gracious and like has just worked so hard for us. He's the man. So that original five bucks that you guys offered for him to do the first one, that's just lasted. It's just stuck. You got in yeah. early. I'm pretty sure it was a two for one margarita at Las Palmas. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Um, so yeah, close to five bucks. Yeah. But- yeah. Well, so um, you guys have done a bunch of these. You've also just working at Made In Network, making records. Mm-hmm. Talk about the power of putting a team together and like how important is it to find team players that you can grow your business with, grow your production team, your you know video team? Or do you find that sometimes it's valuable to let go of people and like move on and find new people to work with? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to name drop anybody. I'm just saying, no, yeah. like, what have you learned about the yeah, process? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, you know, with any like purely creative endeavor that's not necessarily directly tied to uh, the financial returns, I mean, you have to bring in people that are passionate. You have to bring in people that will, you know, go a little bit of the extra mile for you. Uh, I think certainly... We're all past the point of, you know, killing ourselves with work. But at the same time, you know, I know that any of us could go get a nine to five job that literally ends at five and we could work less than we do now. But that goes back to the point of what about a nine to nine job? 24. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's where we're at. Um, but you know, I mean, and that takes, you know, that like the mindset that we all have on our team takes certain sacrifices Um, both personally and then like within relationships. But, you know, I think that everyone right now is fairly comfortable. And again, we've gotten to a good place over the three years that we've been existing where we work hard, but I don't think we overdo it because when you overdo it, then you lose passion or you lose objectivity or you just lose the ability to keep going. You burn out. Yeah, totally. I mean, at least for now, I mean, our team is... Let's see here. It's Michael and I and Brad Cash, our director, and Andrew White, who we should also mention. Who's He is the second shooter, but he's also the main photographer. The four of us are kind of the core team there. And then we've got another guy, David Brewbreaker, who comes in a lot. 
um, to help engineer. So a lot of times during the graveyard shift, he'll come in to kind of relieve us and keep the train rolling. He's a relief pitcher. Yeah. And he's great. I mean, brew is awesome and he's a great producer of his own right. So it always makes me feel good at, you know, 2 AM. If I'm going to go sleep for a few hours, I don't have to worry that like nothing's going to happen. Do what for a few hours? I thought this was 24 hours. dude. Uh, Yeah. Michael and I, we have, uh, we've stayed up plenty share of our 24 hour records. So, Oh, I come totally prepared. I come with an air mattress. I've got a sleeping bag. I go find a little corner to get a few hours rest in during it. But it's actually, it kind of is important for both of us to do that at some point during the session because when everyone else gets so tired, like for the last six hours of the day, like that's kind of when a lot of the, you know, producer role comes in a lot more because most of the time for the first 12 to 18 hours, a lot of the musicians are pretty self-sufficient. Like they've got a lot of ideas, they're writing. Like we don't need to interfere very much or kind of like prod them along. But when it comes to the end and everyone's totally fried, like creatively and physically, um, then it's really great when someone can come in and take back over and like actually have a little bit of energy, listen to stuff fresh and be like, okay, cool guys, let's do this, this, and this. And then it can kind of like just keep the energy up and get things rolling again. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's when we like bring out the bull whip and, right. and finish it out. Um, because yeah, Steve, my, Steve Michael and I have right. a, uh, we have a, the last hours, typically the, uh, Michael and Steven hour of power where <laughs> we go in and we just trade off playing instruments on anything that anyone has any ideas left on and just try and hack our way through little parts right. that we still need. So you guys are the last ones whose fingers aren't in pain from playing guitar. Yeah, right pretty much. Yep. So, um, Michael share with us a story of a failure along the way, something where it was just a disaster that turned into a great learning experience for you. Yeah. Which one? <laughs> any of uh, them. yeah, no, I'm joking. Um, so what, what about something just like, was there anything that just hilarious that happened in the middle of the night when you guys were doing this stuff? Uh, uh, a lot of things. The cops knock on the door yet? Uh, no, no cops yet. Um, Nobody got arrested for going out and peeing on the we lawn? We definitely uh, learned to make sure that we have a, uh, that we limit the amount of alcohol that is purchased for these sessions. Because yeah. there have been a couple there times we go. when people have uh, overindulged themselves and then it becomes can become a little bit of a train wreck for yeah. the last few hours when you're trying to thank you for wrangle. sparking my memory. Uh, what yeah. are, what are funny examples of train wrecks? We had a session. We probably shouldn't mention specific names, no, but, but we can, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, we had, we had a session and it was, uh, one of the most amazing ones I think we've had. Yeah, It was where, awesome. Yeah. You know, the, the four musicians came in and they, they formed a band, a singular entity so quickly. Yeah. Um, but man, one of the, one of the participants just killed, um, double digits worth of beer and <laughs> a, 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 a good handle worth of whiskey and, I mean, I think he was literally drinking for like 18 to 20 hours. Yeah. Because pretty much right. All those guys, when we got there, just cracked beers, which is great. Yeah. It's part of being in a band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But usually it's like, you know, you have a few beers and then 
you know, you have some coffee and kind of like cool off for well, a Well, usually bit band and, practice is over after two hours. Right, right exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this is just like the the marathon band practice. Yeah. There was some, this is pretty hefty stack of empties. By There's like a beer every quarter day. mile. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> all I have to say is the session ended with the studio had a, a bullhorn or a, a, megaphone. a megaphone, excuse yeah. me. They had a megaphone and it involved us waking up said intoxicated member with a megaphone, <laughs> megaphone. which uh, straight was, over his face. Or no, I mean, we did. And it took us a while to get yeah. him to wake up. I, I, there was kind of like a, a brief moment of panic where like, does he have alcohol poisoning? Do, yeah, we, need do to, we need to make, like, do we need to make a move on this? The, uh, and hospital? then you were like, nah, give me a Sharpie. <laughs> yeah. Get the cell phone camera. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, he, uh, no, and then he started showing some signs of life. It all turned out well. And, and throughout the entire process of overindulging, he said, I think, some of the most memorable lines of the entire oh. series. So Awesome. So it, <laughs> were, it, it kind of worked. Also, through all that, because like, I hadn't realized how much he'd had until he was just like passed out by the end of the day. But he was still slaying it on his instrument like, oh yeah through the yeah. entire it wasn't like he just no. like started like dropping notes and couldn't play he was still killing no. it the entire time performance dropped none at all it yeah. was it was a feat of humanity <laughs> performance <laughs> dropped none that's a bumper sticker future yeah. bumper sticker that's right yep. all right so the sun is rising mm-hmm. everything's turning out to be okay you know the, the next day is here do you guys have like a ritual with the sunrise or anything like that you know, everybody goes outside and like chant some weird uh, spell we, or something like that. Probably that, should. That would be nice. We thought about, you know, being, you know, kind of ritzy and getting champagne or something. But I think realistically, everyone... After all that beer. You right, know? after all that beer. Yeah. No, I mean, seriously, a lot of people re- really will... I mean, this isn't a, a ritual per se, but a lot of people will definitely crack that 9 a.m. beer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just to, just yeah. to power through. I know. At, at least point, once, at least once in my life, I have poured beer into my breakfast cereal just to say that I could see that. <laughs> yeah, was like, there you go. It wasn't very good. I actually didn't really like no, it. No, that's why we. That's why we just skipped the cereal. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. So it's morning time. Everything's groovy. We're back in action. Tell us about a story about like a moment of success for you guys. You know, something where it all just came together and it was just totally awesome. Mm. Do you remember elephant chords and how well that went? Yeah. Yeah. If I remember it correctly, it went so well that literally no one on the artist team or the creative team ever went to sleep. Yeah. Because we were so jazzed about what was going on. Yeah. Like there was was no time for sleep. It was super cool. I mean, I think that that was like one of the sessions, like when we got to the end of it, where it's, I mean, usually at the end of those sessions, like... I'm glad that like we got all the music. I feel good about it, but I'm really tired. I'm ready to go home, go to yeah. sleep. But on that one, I was just like so pleased to have been a part of it at all. Like I felt like a better human coming out of it on the other side. It was uh, that was a, a great one. Yeah, I mean, that was one where you were like, "How do I do this every day? Yeah, for the rest of my yeah, life seriously. because <laughs> it just feels feels correct." Yeah, I think you sleep from 10 a.m. to noon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not tradition to like go to Waffle House after the whole thing or anything like that? No, we have our go-to like dinner spots that sometimes we'll go out and grab food and leave for, you know, 45 minutes just to let everyone have a little breather. But, um, but a lot of times we just ordered in. Usually, oh, well, we have had some 
some some bad tie happened to us before. One time, Michael Michael left me high and dry when he ordered the extra spicy tie and then got violently ill afterwards. But, I was being adventurous and it backfired yeah. and I had to go home. Yeah. But I that's, came back. That's tough, man. I came back after a lot. <laughs> Especially considering some end. studios don't really have much of a, you know, facilities. That's why I had to go home. Oh, man. Yeah, that's true. There have been some serious issues with bathrooms on these sessions. Not gonna oh, lie, like the like the studio that didn't have a bathroom, and we had yeah. to pee in the oh, woods, yeah. and we had a female member on the session. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. I definitely went out into the woods early in the morning and got acquainted with nature. Yeah, that was a good way to intro the female musician because we didn't realize that they didn't have facilities until we got there. We got there and we said, "Oh, by the way, I hope you're okay with." Using the woods as your bathroom. Yeah, outside of <laughs> she the, was a champ. Hey, it's she like was. Bonnaroo. She yeah. was. Yeah. Well, outside of the studio door, there was just like a little, like, like a little tiny tree, and there was just a roll of toilet paper sticking on a limb there, and it was just inviting you to venture out and and go take care of your business. I felt pretty bad about that one. I felt yeah. pretty bad about that one too. Well, that's one of the reasons why when I had my studio, you know, kind of put this together, I knew I insisted it's like it have to have the most powerful bathroom fan oh, in, in all of Nashville yep. yeah. and you because do. I have no desire to live that other way. No. When I turn that fan on, I feel like we're about to take off. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Got to do it. Now all you need is like a rocket toilet. You know what I'm talking about? There's like industrial. No, but I want one. No. Like when, rocket you, to- when you flush, it's just like. Oh, right. You're like it'll suck people down it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to watch out for that. <laughs> Yep, that's the goal. That's All what right. you need. Cool. Well, so we're nearing the jam session, but before we get to it, before we go there to the exciting jam session, tell us about what you guys are excited about right now. Like, what's what's exciting in in your world of making records, twenty four hour records, mm. making music, whatevs. I'm really excited. I think this year I'm I'm putting a big effort forth to be just writing more music and getting myself playing more music. I I think that most engineers and producers are probably just writers and musicians who were like really frustrated when they would first go into studios and just like didn't know how to do stuff and wanted to be able to do it well. Dude, um, you're singing my tune. Man. Oh, you're I know. singing my tune. Oh, yep. That's totally me. I mean, when I was in high school, I just, I played out at some of like the really bad clubs that, you know, would let anyone go in and play and would try to make some records and got so frustrated because I just didn't get it. But I liked like the idea of being able to do it. And it was interesting to me. But um, so I think that this year, finally, I'm going to try and do a little bit more of that. I've got a lot of friends that have been doing a lot of stuff with sync licensing, um, with music, just mm-hmm. just like writing shorter pieces, instrumental or otherwise, and just trying to reach out and find ways to make a little bit more of a living off of actually making music instead of like making other people's music. So I love mm-hmm. both of those, but mm-hmm. have you set any kind of milestones for yourself this year or goals? Any, have you yet. thought through how you want to do that? Or are you still in the thinking process? I'm still a little bit in the thinking process. I need to be farther along. I was talking with my wife about this the other day. She was asking me the same question and I was like, I need a plan. So I'm, I'm, going through that right now. I think I just need to start setting a schedule for myself. So I've got a couple days where I can just go into my studio where I'm consciously not working on anyone else's work and just doing my own thing. And like, Mm -hmm. I think that that is 
turn off your phone, turn off the yeah. internet. I think for me, that's probably all I really need is just to be really conscious about it. But that is, at least for me, surprisingly difficult. So. Going public with it on a podcast helps. That's right. That's right. I'm a, it's a, I'm, I need my account, my accountable people. <laughs> and my personal world. one, because I, I share that same goal. And mine has been to start with free writing for 10 minutes every morning. That's awesome. I feel like that's that's like the best way to start your day. Like you just immediately are going to feel better after yeah. that. Even yeah. if what everything you got was terrible. It doesn't matter. It's just like mm-hmm. you have started your day by doing something creative and expressive. And yeah, I think that's awesome. So I, I just started reading a, a book on Kindle. It's the author's name is Pat Patterson. I believe I'm saying that right. And mm. his book is uh, Writing Better Lyrics. And mm. that's where I got the idea from. It's nice. great. And the the cool idea about doing the free writing for 10 minutes in the morning is that it wakes your brain up. Yeah. So that right. your creative brain is already awake w- with you all day while you're yeah, doing the rest right. of your stuff. It's like what breakfast does for your metabolism. Exactly, dude. It's the most important creative meal of the day. Absolutely. Get started early. Dude, tell us what you're excited about. Uh... Well, this is on a much less, I guess, personal note, but I didn't know that about you, Stephen. That's good. I know. Michael, Michael and I don't get to spend as much time we with each not. other anymore now no. that he's big, big wig over it, no, production just, director. Life is life is difficult, but um, I'm excited that as of last weekend, we have four episodes filmed and in the can. And that allows us the ultimate flexibility of, you know, release strategies, marketing strategies, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully we can get some more, you know, visibility to our project. Yeah. So that's kind of nerdy no, and lame, that's but not really. that helps us. me a lot. Yeah. That helps me sleep. Yeah. I don't want to mean to cut you off, Steve, but I do want to ask you to follow through on that. Um, after you tell us what you're going to say, can you tell us more about what marketing strategy means, like some of that stuff? You know, because I think that listeners are recording records. They need to market them. They're mm-hmm. running a studio. They need to know how to market it and get their message out. Yeah, absolutely. If anyone's good at that, you can uh, contact us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, no, so we're, we're, we are super lucky uh, with, so along with the, you know, product that we have in our on hold, uh, mid in just hired a new head of marketing, mm-hmm. um, which is the first time we've had that position. Um, so I'm really going to rely on her. But for the record, made in is our network that uh, the YouTube network that 24 hour records is on. So they're kind of there are sugar daddies that help us and fund us. And and Michael is their production director as well as being the kind of head of 24 hour records. Right, right. But we we do have a we do have a marketing genius behind us now. So hopefully that works. But what we've been doing in the past, um, it's a lot of social media strategy. We're highly focused on Instagram. It just it's what took off for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we still keep up with Twitter, Facebook. We just started a Snapchat Snapchat account. Uh, we have an email list, um, and we also, I mean, realistically, one of my goals for every time we release an episode is to just have a really good premiere partner. So. That could be anything from an article written about us to a blog post to one of our tracks getting featured on um, like a music discovery site. Mm-hmm. Uh, just recently, we got one of our tracks on a at Spotify official playlist. Mm-hmm. That's where my head's at. You know, just per release, we've got 
great video content. We've got three songs. We've got a ton of photographs that are all available for all these partners to use. And just go find someone who wants to help share the story. So quick question for you related to that. The difference between the power of always having some content going out, going out, mm. going out versus taking all those things that you're talking about and blasting it all at once. Yeah, that's a, I mean, for us, Michael works incessantly getting everyone lined up to do these sessions. So for us, it's not really realistic to have a lot of like smaller content all coming out at once, just because just sheerly on like a, a budget standpoint, like our episodes are fairly expensive just to get everyone there and paying for all the costs and everything. Um, and so like, we don't have a lot of resources left to really make, um, little content that we can like kind of send out there, but it would be awesome if we could. And maybe someday in the future, when we have a bigger team and more resources, we can start exploring those options more. But yeah, it is kind of something it's like, it's different from going and doing a lot of small stuff at once, which I think is probably a really good way to build up like a base and a following by being able to just kind of constantly chime in to your audience. But I think the other way is if you can't do that because you have like bigger projects that are bigger budget things, then you kind of have to, like Michael was saying, build around those releases to where it's like, okay, you know, we're not going to put a release out if we don't have a couple like bigger blogs that aren't going to say something about it at least. And I think that's probably a pretty good strategy for, I mean, most people releasing records. Cause I'm sure all of us can testify to the amount of times we've worked with like an indie artist who was awesome but they didn't know anything about the industry or the business. And then they put out their record and it falls totally flat. And like 10 people listen to it because no one else out there was like talking about it. And so I think that like, especially for artists, like that's like one of your biggest resources is kind of like, if you have a project or something you want to release, it's just working really hard and pushing that release date back. If you have to, to like, get in and like talk to people so that you can kind of make a splash mm. when that happens. Yeah. I think like the number one, like killer I've seen in a lot of independent artists is they are tired of sitting on the project mm -hmm. so that yeah. they immediately assume that the audience is, you know, tired of waiting for the project, but in, you know, in all like reality, they just need to like take a step back chill out and realize you only have one shot at a release. Right. Yeah. You only have one shot at making like that firework go off. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure it happens uh, and not rush, even though it's really hard because you've, you've written the songs, you've recorded the songs, you've mixed the songs, mm -hmm. you've been sitting on the songs. And to you, it's just, it's the oldest news that you are so excited to get out. Yeah. And it's just not that way to a lot of the audience, unless you're a, a giant artist. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's something like if you do, if you are like a small indie artist or anything like that, that that's like the time when you put out something small, like you create like a smaller, like lower budget piece of content, whether it be even just like a quick YouTube video of yourself yeah. playing something new that you've written or something like that. That, cause if you do maybe have five, 600 people that are really into your music, like that's definitely not nothing. Like that's a good amount of people and you don't want to alienate them. Yeah, totally. YouTube, your demos, YouTube, yeah. your covers, 
come up with a really cool, you know, gimmick idea where it's like, I think uh, one of the artists, what is his name? Nick Bullock. He's doing the 52 songs in 52 weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do something yeah. like that. That's how yeah. you get consistent content out. Yeah. But don't blow your like you know your full length or 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 something you've worked a long time on yeah. just because you're too anxious to put put like the back end work on it right yeah. yeah all right so quick question you talked about getting uh, what was the wording you used not sponsors but you you get some you team up with a blog or somebody so to yeah, post yeah, yeah premiere so yeah. what would the equivalent be uh, I, obviously, I think the equivalent is you're going to release a record you want a blog to write about or something. But if you don't have those connections yet, where do you begin? Like, what are some basic techniques for reaching out and connecting with premieres for releasing your record or even getting your studio and production work noticed? Yes, yeah. certainly. It's it's tough. I mean, we are kind of lucky because the context of our project is unique enough that it's you know we are releasing an ep essentially but mm-hmm. it kind of has that like storyline hook behind it where a lot of people have been a little bit more responsive than i think they would be if we were just like michael and steven the acoustic folk duo <laughs> something like that <laughs> um but but in all seriousness i mean like yeah even with that all it is is it's just me emailing people and trying to provide the best sales pitches possible and it's worked a little bit. It hasn't worked, in, you know, in some yeah. other areas, but it's it's really just like a volume thing. Yeah. I send out so many emails, and a lot of times they're largely the same thing. But you know, to all these different outlets, you know, they don't know any different. Right. Yeah, yeah. Stephen, let me let me pass the question over to you. Yeah. Um, can you get a premier partner, and can you make a big splash with your launch if your music totally sucks? Oh, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Is that not evidenced by how many, like, how much terrible music there Can is? Can you get out on, there the on the radio if your music sucks? Oh, yes. Yeah. So here's the other thing that we kind of sidestepped in all this is is you don't have to do any of these things if you just have a ton of money. You, you can just skip all these and pay people to do them for you. Uh, unfortunately, most people don't have that. But I mean, I can say without a doubt that I have seen artists and a lot of them were really good artists. So I'm like happy for them, but who had a lot of funding behind them. And I wouldn't say that they were any better than any of the other artists I knew or was working with at the time, but they had a bunch of money. And so they hired like an A-list publicist who just like all of a sudden their name is out there everywhere. And so, you know, if you can do that, if you have, you know, a hundred grand to blow in a year, you can get your name out to a lot of people, <laughs> but most of us don't have that luxury. So we got to kind of figure it out yeah. right, as we go. But. Well, so I think the takeaway message there, of course, is don't let telling yourself that your music's not good enough be your excuse for not oh, yeah, doing that. Definitely not. No. no, 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 no. Absolutely. Yeah. Right if on. you don't believe in it, how will a premier partner believe in it? Right. I love it. I think on that note, we should segue right into the jam session. All right. Deal. Let's do it. Hey everybody, it's Lid Shaw, and I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Recording Studio Rockstars. I really appreciate you, and I really appreciate your time. And as a way of saying thank you, I've created a special mix tutorial just for you, Rockstars, totally free, called the Mix Master Bundle. With it, you get over two hours of detailed videos watching over my shoulder as I mix a song in my studio. Plus, I give you the free ebook that explains how I recorded the tracks 
and you get downloadable multi-tracks so that you can practice your mixes, including the Pro Tools session file, using nothing but stock plugins in Pro Tools, all of which you would find in any other DAW, whether you're on Logic or Studio One or Reaper. Maybe you're struggling with trying to improve your mix technique, or maybe you just simply don't have access to multi-track files or can't record a full drum set in your studio. I wanted to give you a chance to create your own mixes from full drum kit bass and guitars recorded in my studio the song is called american winter and it's off my instrumental record skadoosh and it's all available for you totally free right now all you need to do to get it is text mix master bundle to 33444 and i'll send it directly to your email again that's mix master bundle with no space to 33444 or you can go directly to mixmasterbundle.com enter your email and I'll send all the files directly to you thanks so much rock stars we'll see you guys in the jam session cheers all right cool we're back here at recording studio rock stars I'm Lid Shaw and I'm here with Stephen Turney and Michael Hardesty from 24 Hour Records, and we're ready for the jam session. You guys ready to jam? Definitely. Born ready. <laughs> Born ready. Well, so tell us, Stephen, at the beginning of doing all this stuff, getting into recording, starting a business, even writing songs, what was holding you back? Oh, definitely myself, um, hands down. I mean, I probably would not be doing recording and production if Michael isn't as ambitious as he is and would wake me up super early when we were in college to go down to the studio to try and learn more. I mean, I, I'm someone who just constantly doubts myself and my work. So I think that it's, that's something that has perpetually held me back. Um, that is kind of just a a daily thing. I have to convince myself that what I'm doing is like worth it and that, and that people, you know, would like it. Dig it. And then Michael, was Steven also holding you back at the beginning? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I think, uh, what was holding me back might've been, uh, social skills. Um, one of the fun parts about music and creativity is that it's generally better if there's more than one involved. So I had to spend a lot of time figuring out myself and then how to communicate to other people so that, you know, I could talk to bands and get them in the studio and get them excited about working with me and all that good stuff. So that was a that was a huge barrier for me, and I'm still working on it. But I think that's uh, that's huge for a lot of people that are interested in music and especially the technical aspect of music because generally they are a little um, more dare I say nerdy, and sometimes you have to really work on how you you know how your thoughts are relayed to other people. Yeah, totally. I mean, especially if you like to do mixing and sitting in front of your computer or console for 12 hours straight working on, if that's like makes you happy, then you're probably an introvert, you know, more <laughs> right, so often it makes than it, not. Makes it harder to meet new people and yeah, get all yeah, totally, going. Yeah, totally. You got to get out there. Well, so Steven, tell us what was some of the best advice you received oh. you starting out or, or along the way? Oh, man. I don't know if I received this, but I, I'm sure that I did and I should have been listening along the way. Um, something that I did not do that I wish I'd done was as soon as I was out of school and was trying to make a living and working for myself was to get some kind of 
other gig that would have a little bit of reliable money coming in. I mean, no matter what it is, waiting tables or whatever, something that's flexible enough to where you don't have to give up much if a big gig comes along um, and that it doesn't eat up all your schedule, but that you can still make sure that like your rent and everything's coming in. Cause I just rolled the dice on that for probably two years and, you know, was always, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And, um, and it was just, it was super stressful for me if nothing else. And it's just, it's hard to like go out there and try and get clients and do stuff and like negotiate rates and all those things. If you're like just almost begging for work, it's really hard to like present yourself as like being like, like a really good producer and engineer, even if you believe that you are, it's so hard to do that. If you in the back of your mind is like, if I don't get this gig, even if I just get like a couple hundred bucks for something, then like, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent next week, you know? So, yeah, totally. So I think that's something important that people should do. Being, like, being hungry is good for drive, but being overly hungry is, yeah. makes it hard to drive straight, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was kind yeah. of a twisted analogy, twisted metaphor there. I'm full of those. That was good. So, Michael, what about you, man? What was some of the best advice you received? Yeah, I think uh, early on, a lot of a lot of people actually, ironically, not in the uh, music production field, you know, just kept reminding me not to undervalue yourself because a lot of the toughest situations that I've gotten into in the studio really do come down to those like rate negotiations. And, you know, a lot of gigs that I took that ended so poorly, it would have been so much better if I would have just said, you know what, you are trying to undervalue me. It's literally not worth my time to do this. And I, of course, was never asking for a king's ransom at all. It was just like there, there there's a bare minimum to what, uh, you know, someone's time is worth. Yeah. So. Is, wait, isn't it always best to negotiate that stuff at the end after you've done all the work? Yeah, that's what we always do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just sign. Yeah, just sign contracts when there's when there's tons of opportunity and money on the table. No, it is hard, like especially if you don't have a lot of work yet and you don't have a lot of money, like because you just want to be working, and you know there's a fear that oh, okay, well, as soon as we start talking about this, it's not gonna like you know it's there's gonna be tense or maybe they won't end up working with me, but it's like. There's nothing worse than getting halfway through a project or more and then starting to talk about money and stuff because inevitably you start getting bitter about all the work you're putting in yep. and like not knowing what you're getting or you put in way too much time for the amount of money that you're going to be getting from the project. Not that like, you know, the money is everything on a project, but when it's you're living, you got to make enough to like mm-hmm. scrape by mm-hmm. if nothing else. So, um yeah, dude. No, yeah, another another inspirational yeah. quote that goes along with this whole thing is either do it for full price or do it for free. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, because yeah, I would way rather be doing something for free and just like know that like those are the terms and I'm really into it or like otherwise just not doing it at all. Because like, yeah, anywhere in the middle there, I feel like you're going to get really bitter really quickly. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I like that concept of saying this is my rate. This is what my value is, this is what it's worth. And if you guys don't have that, then I have the opportunity to give you something. And I'm just going to give you a session and let you know that you're actually getting this yeah. this bonus, this yeah. free extra day or half day or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. As opposed to just saying, oh, my, I'll just cut my rate down. Yeah. I'll devalue you myself. 
And then you can stay complain yeah. about it at the end anyway. Yeah. Can I give you one more <laughs> weird piece of advice? Yeah, please do. All right. Bill Vorndick told us this uh, in school. He said, never say no to a gig. Uh, and what he meant by that was price yourself out of a gig. So mm-hmm. even if it was the worst condition with the worst artist on the worst day, never say no. Just tell them what your rate is and make it absolutely ridiculous. So if someone who you absolutely don't like wants to work with you on Thanksgiving Day, don't tell them no. Just tell them it'll be $12,000 or whatever, you know, just something. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So so you don't say no. So either A, you're making $12,000 or B, they said no. Yeah. I remember my brother was telling me that story about a friend he had who had Mm -hmm. gone through that experience. He said... When he got sick of doing whatever his particular gig was, he just kept moving his rate up and up and up and up. The, the, of course, his story was that he didn't end up pricing himself out of it. People just kept paying it. And so his just rate just kept going up that's and up. That's awesome. And up. Yeah. But then you're, so maybe but then that's you're a good rich. Thing. Then you're rich. You just aren't at home with your family on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a definitely uh, use discretion. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah for All right. Sure. So, next question, fellas. Steven, how about a favorite? Recording tip, hack, or secret sauce. Mm, okay. Or just anything that's cool. Yeah, Something yeah, that yeah. people could use right now. Oh, man. Don't want to give away my best one. But, just give, uh, give away your second best one. Okay, second best one. All right. Um, I know a lot of people probably do this, but I love doing this is just a lot of parallel compression on drums when mixing. Like, I'll usually set up three separate auxes. What's paralyzed compression? My paralyzed compression, man. So yeah, that's when you say you have like a snare drum and you have that on one track and then you create another track or another aux send. And then on that second track you have, you know, like an 1176 cranking it and it's like really hitting it hard and you blend those two signals together. So you still get the nice, good transient of the like snare from the original recording, but then you get the sustain and the like snap from that compression that you've added in underneath it. It's a good way of being able to get away with a lot of compression without it really sounding like you're using a ton of compression. Yeah. So the second track, the one that's super compressed, Mm -hmm. which I actually, I like to call that my slam track. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. It's a sound that you would never want to use, right? Like Mm -hmm. by itself, it's just like way over the top. Right. Totally. Absurd sound, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, cool. Great tip. Yeah. I love that one. Uh, you, you know, you can't give away parallel paralyzed compression too much. That's what I think. It's it's great. No, I mean it's just something like when I when someone finally showed me like how it worked, I was just like, oh my God. Like that, it makes it's just so much better. Like everything just starts sounding better when you can start experimenting with it. Well, I, I can't say when this episode's going out, and I, so I can't tell you if this is a spoiler alert or not. But uh, one of my guests on another show, Bob Olson, mm-hmm. will reveal to us how parallel compression was invented at Motown Records. Oh man, I will be listening. Actually, to that. maybe that wasn't entirely true. He may have borrowed it from classical, but it's been around yeah. for a long time. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Michael, a favorite recording tip, hack, or secret sauce, or a funny joke? Oh, well, definitely not a funny joke. Um, one hack that I always really enjoy uh, is is realistically to use the room and use the bleed. Like, so much of modern recording is ridiculously isolated, and, I mean, that definitely gives you a sound, but... I think it sounds so much cooler when you got some instruments mm-hmm. in the room. Like yeah. why why not have a bass amp with the drummer? 
like that mm-hmm. kind of blend, it can it can really work to your advantage. Can I do that in my Logic Pro virtual instruments on my laptop? Uh, well, yeah, yeah man, you, you just, got me there. You just got to open them all at the same time and then mic your uh, MacBook speaker. And then just and then, name them wrong. Just give them different names. Yeah. Yeah, Audio 001. Yeah, if you're not recording a band, that's going to be kind of tough. But All right, right on. Well, so, Stephen, how about hipping us to a favorite hardware tool in the studio? Something that when you go in and you have this thing with you, it seems to always make your sessions better. Mm, I think that my go-to thing that I always try to have on most sessions is a distressor, um, just as like kind of a main signal chain to go to. Um, I mean, it just can do so many different kinds of compression, and I don't even necessarily know exactly how it... I mean, I'm not like a, a tech geek or anything. I don't know how electronics or circuitry works or anything. I just kind of press buttons on it until it sort of starts sounding the way I want it to. But, um, man, you can just pull off so much stuff with that one box, um, like so many different flavors and tones. And so I love having that on a session with me. So it is, it's like protection from the sun. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You could fly directly into the heart of the sun with a distressor and you'd be totally cool. That's right. You just set that thing on nuke. You're good to go. Yep. Um, I know there's, I I believe there's a plug-in version of the distressor that is out and floating around now too. I have not had a chance to use it. I haven't used it. I think it's a universal audio one, which hopefully- those guys. Hopefully this year I'll be jumping into that world, but I'm saving, man. Nice. Michael? Uh, Yeah, I'm a AEA R84 fan. Mm, Yeah, Um, I've, yeah, I've just, I don't know. I've never had a mic that I could, I mean, we've done it before on 24 hour records. That is the overdub mic. Yeah. Is that, is that a Wibben mic? It is a Wibben mic. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what it is. I mean, it's not the, it's not the most expensive ribbon mic in the world. It's probably not the nicest, but for some reason it's just, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and it stacks really well. It does stack really, really well. Because we've, yeah, I mean, we've done almost entire overdub sessions on that mic. And you can float it from guitar to vocal to Mm -hmm. auxiliary percussion. And at the end of the day, you've got 20 tracks that all sound amazing together. So, yeah. Does it have a particularly dark top end to it? Is that part of what makes it work for overdubs is that when you're stacking things, they don't fight for that? Yeah. It high frequency? So. Yeah. It doesn't, it's a fairly dark top end. You definitely, it's a pretty dark mic. You really have to, you've got to high pass it like pretty hard on just about everything you use it on. But yep. I mean, yeah, you can just, I mean, like if you have a bunch of vocals and you run them all through or you you use that mic for all of them, and just like put them all mono in the mix and listen to it. It's just like, it sounds like a Beatles group vocal with that, like kind of, I don't know that whatever that sound is, that's what it sounds yep, like to me. That's, so, that's where I'm going. Yeah, nice. no, totally. Okay. Pop quiz guys. Can you press the red button? Can you flip the plus 48 switch? And can you send phantom power to that mic while you're using it? Oh man. Good questions. I've heard so many different answers. I try the one thing, the thing that I heard last that I think I believe is that if you have it plugged in before any phantom is sent down the line, and if you were to switch it on, you're probably not going to get like much of that pop going to the ribbon. It's only like if you're unplugging it while it's active and hot. Maybe I should rephrase the question. Should you do any of those things 
to that mic. No, you shouldn't. No. You shouldn't. Sometimes you got to roll just, the dice, though. I mean, here's the thing I think about all the time with all that stuff. So many of those old consoles that people used in like the 60s and 70s, all of them had phantom spitting out of them all of the time. And they use those mics all the time. Mm -hmm. And did they ruin those mics? Uh, Very possible. But I mean, people did that stuff all the time. So I don't know what the answer is on that. Yeah, that's fascinating. Do you think that the whole so so let's leap this forward to those who are listening. um, Rock stars. The idea is that you do not want to send phantom power to a ribbon mic. That's the message. It's not but ideal. Then, no. Then there's this whole dialogue going Only on. Only if about you know like what you're it doing. Really hurts it or not. Right. If it's I mean, yours, you can try. If it's someone else's, please don't yeah, do it. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> there you go. That's a good answer. All right. So, Michael, a favorite software tool in the studio? Uh, yeah. Uh, anything sound toys. Mm, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I've had the chance to work with UAD. Uh, they're amazing. I'm not rich enough to afford UAD, mm-hmm. uh, but Sound Toys is really, really cost effective, and their entire package. I mean, some of their some of some of their delays and their reverbs do things that I've never imagined per yeah. se. Yeah, like they absolutely they kind of bridge that gap from technical to creative if that makes sense where you are using a piece of you know gear even though it's Mm -hmm. virtual uh and it starts to make you think about what else could i do with this Mm -hmm. so that's that's like that whole package is unbelievable have you uh found that you have to give yourself extra time to go in and just play around with all the settings and those presets to really begin to even know what they do. That sound toy stuff, especially, I mean, it's so cool, but there are so many parameters that like, I almost always just start by like doing some of the presets because I don't even know what it can do. Like until I start looking and seeing what's possible and and then I can start tweaking stuff. They're like, they're like the presets that are shown to you originally. And then on most of them, they have like the advanced settings, Yeah, which go even deeper. I know it's crazy how fine tuned you can do this. It's insane. I mean, but you're, you're absolutely right. I rarely get to those. It's just, I mean, the presets are so good. Mm -hmm. No, I know. All right, so uh, again, Rockstars, we are giving you permission and encouragement right now to set aside time to go into your studio and do nothing but play around with the settings on those delays. Don't wait till you're in the middle of a session and feel pressured to come up with the right answer. Just go in and just goof around, see what they can do. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. You got to do that. Then you save your own presets that you have, so you yeah. just pull them up. And then oh, everyone's my- like, oh, that's the coolest delay. Yep. And it's like, I know. I you guys know. got any hot tips for saving presets is there like something that people need to know about how and where to do it or do you just kind of wherever it puts it is fine usually i usually just have wherever it puts it but i would say if you ever have to like change over your whole rig to track those things down and make sure you know where they are so that when you transfer and like upgrade everything you still have your stuff i know steven's a fan of this and i double down on this when you have a preset name it something ridiculous yeah you know exactly what it does and you know that it's yours and it's not you know sound toys or uad or anything like that yeah all of my uh my snare drum samples are that i go to all the time are named after cuts of meat yeah yeah <laughs> come See, on give us a go. couple also the main one the best one is the beefy as hell snare 
And then there's like the one that's like still pretty like thick, but not quite. It's got a little more toppings, the thin sliced beef. Nice. And, you know, it just goes on and on. Don't you have there. like big thwack daddy or something? Oh, I got the, uh, um, it's something like the, the big ass Tom or the yeah, big ass eight away, something like that. I what can't about, remember what, what, is. what does the Salisbury steak sound like? Oh, I haven't gotten there yet, man. <laughs> I'll have to make that one. That'll, oh, maybe that's like Super a snare creamy. with like a sizzle ride on top of it on the sample. Yeah. The snare stroking off. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. So, um, Steven share mm-hmm. with us a tip or a resource for the business side of doing what we do. Oh man. Do do? Okay. Um, for me, Actually, most of the business things I got from you, Lidge, I stole, as you saw. Uh, oh, man, I'm sorry about that, dude. No, you have a lot of, you cycle through so many, I can't keep up. But like some of the good ones, like I was a big fan and still am of the, that fresh books accounting stuff. That yeah. is just like, I, yep. I hate doing accounting. I'm terrible at it. It's like the worst. And I always lose track of stuff. And that thing is just nice and it's not that expensive and it works well enough for me. I'm sure bigger companies and stuff, I mean, maybe they have other things you can do through them, but I mean, that's just good. Cause I can always look, I can see like what, how many, how much money and invoices are floating out there and like who I need to call if I don't have a check in and stuff. It's just, it helps me stay organized a lot better. Yeah. So, so once again, that's freshbooks.com, I believe I is, so. is the, yeah. the website, but I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And when I first sort of, I probably sort of insisted that you get oh, yeah. that. Well, yeah, said, you, Did you made curse me, my name at no, the beginning? No, made me get a, like the contractor version a couple times when I was working for him. And so, but then I was, I was impressed like with, especially for me, like if I'm out on a gig and there's something like, you know, parking or you have to go buy something at a studio for something like the studio should own, you know, and like, you can just snap a picture of it and then just invoice that to them with like the rest of your invoice. So yeah, totally. It's cool. just, it's really nice to be able to do little things like that. So expenses. Yeah. It's really easy to go broke paying for things yourself that other people should be paying for. So. I find that the the handiest part of having that FreshBooks account is that I can do some work. I can set a timer and keep track of it. I can invoice it and then I can forget about it. Knowing that if next week I look at it and it's like, oh, it's still unpaid. You don't have to think twice about it. You just hit the button and send it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to think about composing a carefully worded email to remind somebody. You just let it show up from the their website or whatever you know lidge was this podcast brought to us by fresh books not yet but it will be could be soon fresh books you hear that you listening so michael what about you man yeah i use a i use a service called todoist all it is is a to-do list but uh it's free and it helps me when i wake up at 4 a.m and I remember that one thing that I need to do tomorrow that I hadn't remembered, and I I just type it in there, and that's it. That's, that's huge, that's man. That's all I need. I mean, yeah, it's it's really simple. Michael's all about the to-do list. I'm all about the to-do it's list, great. and uh, unfortunately, I, I wake up at 4 a.m. more often than I'd like to admit. So, I know I totally understand. I before we had to-do lists and and you know smartphones. I remember I, I, one day I discovered, I was like, wait a minute, you know, I'm just going to put a pad of paper and a Sharpie by the bed. <laughs> yeah. Because then you wake up in the middle of the night, you think of something, you just write it down and it's like, it's gone, let go of it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah. tip. No, that's definitely what I do, but that is todoist.com. Oh, awesome. it's amazing. And if uh, Todoist needs to 
give Michael things, they can find him at the link in this podcast. Yeah, probably. if you want to give me a premium yeah. membership, <laughs> we're here. Give him a shout out. All right, cool. So, guys, let's get into the hypothetical question of the of the podcast mm-hmm. here. Stephen, you're starting over. Okay. Somehow, you know, well, I don't want to paint some terrible, horrible, tra- tragic picture, but you're starting over and you need a some sort of setup to start recording something simple. Mm-hmm. You're in a strange town. You don't know anybody. You need to find people to record. Gotcha. And you got to make ends meet while you're doing this mm-hmm. so you don't have to quit recording. Mm-hmm. What would you do? What do you recommend? Ooh, that's hard. I think for me, I would probably, as far as finding people to work with, I would just start going out to a lot of like the local clubs that are playing the bands and the music that I like and forcing myself to go up and talk to people, which I'm not good at. But whenever you do that, usually in end up having some luck getting some work. Uh, I would probably also like go start or join a band because there are so many producers and engineers and stuff who get killer gigs. And I'm just like, how is that guy getting that gig? And it's cause they went on tour with some other guy and some other band and like, you know, they're probably a fine engineer or producer, but they do, you know, maybe like a record or two a year. Like they're not doing it full time, but they're still able to get really great gigs when they're going out and getting them. So that would be probably the biggest thing about trying to find work. And as far as gear and stuff, I would probably just get a laptop and and depending on how much money I had, if I had enough, I would get probably one of those little API four packs the and roll with that and what is the api four pack yeah uh, it's a 3124 yeah and it's a uh, just a it's a box of four pre's that are just four great api pre's that sound really good um that you can use on pretty much everything and get away with it um and i would probably do that for a lot of it and just i don't know probably buy whatever interface i could afford that had the best ratings at that time. There's so many of those coming out that I can never keep track of them anymore. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I'd probably just do that handful of mics, handful of mic stands and just try and go from there and just try to be able to be mobile, not relying on needing any space. Cause I think most of the time for me, like with my first couple of years starting off, I mean, I can't count the amount of times I packed up my entire rig and took it someplace else. Yeah, so anyway. yeah totally. I think that's a and great a good, tip. a good pair of headphones. All right, Michael, how about you? Yeah, got to echo Steven, go to a bunch of shows, go sit at coffee shops, um, go out to all of the places where creative people are. And that's definitely shows, art exhibits, um, indie movie premieres, stuff like that. Um, go talk to people. That comes back to the whole idea of gaining social skills and just like, no matter how comfortable or uncomfortable it is getting out there. Um, in terms of gear, I've actually been thinking about this myself right now because I want to, I do want to become more mobile maybe mm. and get like a UAD twin mm-hmm. and like, you know, not even worry about the idea of a pre into a converter, but just get, you know, one of the, one of the boxes that we're all seeing right now, yeah. which are, they they are the pre and the converter at the same time. They're fair, you know. A lot of those are fairly clean sounding, mm-hmm. and then they just rely on you know the instrument, the room, and the microphone to kind of give you your your tone or your color. 
Um, and then, yeah, I'd probably have to, you know, sell something so I get my R84. <laughs> but I've got one now, but if I had to start over, right. I got to get another yeah. one. So that's, I mean, that's what I'm going to do. Dude, that is a, a, a time honored dilemma, though. It's like, because just when you were asking me that, it's like, okay, well, do I just get something and try to get a bunch of pre so I could do a bunch of tracks all at once? Or do I just like go spend all my money on like one nice preamp and one nice microphone? And I think it's, it probably, it, I think it depends a lot on what kind of work you're doing. If you want to record bands, you just need to get a bunch of pre's. If you want to do like a pop record, like, and a bunch of stuff in your computer, you should probably like get the best pre and mic and converter you can afford. Get that vocal chain. Yeah, basically. Yeah, 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 totally. Because if that's all you need, then like, I mean, there are, producers that have you know dozens of grammys that you know probably just own like one mic one pre and like one converter and it's like they do everything else in their computer yeah that's that all cha- they need that change is like twenty thousand dollars yeah exactly yeah, and it's amazing right so. all right so so dozens of grammys and huge success tell us Stephen, what is the one thing most important thing that our listeners can do to become a rock star of the recording studio themselves uh, I think just work really hard. And uh, I mean, I, I feel like the one thing that I notice between people who are really good at recording and producing and the people that aren't are the people that have like stayed up all night or all day and like day after day after day, just playing around with their like tools that they have and learning them inside and out. So that like when you're on a session, like, immediately you know the answer to whatever issue has come up because like nothing is worse than being on a session and like there's a problem and it stalls the whole thing and like it just like derails everything and then you don't look like you look unprofessional you don't know what's going on and then it's just like it kills everyone's mood everyone's vibe it's just all down the toilet so Nice man. <laughs> That's it. But should it's I just, just should I stop the podcast right there? Right on the toilet. Cut it. Yeah. it. So, Michael, what about you, man? What is the single most important thing that our listener can do to become a rock star of the recording studio? Yeah. Uh, keep your musical ties running. Like, and I regret that a ton myself. Of not. I mean, I don't play as much as I want to. Mm, At yeah. the end of the day, when you're in the recording studio, what are you doing? You're making music. So. You know, don't act like it's just the musician's job to make that music. Be a good musician yourself Mm -hmm. and listen to good music yourself so that when you come into the recording studio, you have the most knowledge about music that you possibly can. Yeah. And that's the that's the end goal, right? Like we're all we're all like trying to be creative. We're all trying to make cool music. So educate yourself in music and you do that by listening to good music and playing good music. Yeah, totally. Like if you go into a session and there's a song and then, you know, you guys pull together to have an awesome arrangement and it just feels really cool. I mean, you could have the, you could be recording it on the microphone on your computer. And if it like is just really cool, like it might sound like kind of lo-fi or whatever, but it, it'll come across cool and like people will like that. Yeah. It's still going to be cool. You can't, you like, you can't stop cool. That's that's literally impossible. Like an end on that note. You You can't can't stop cool guys on three, one, two, three. You You can't can't stop stop cool. cool.
Peace out. <laughs> Stephen, Michael, thank you so much for joining us Thanks on Recording Studio Thanks Rockstars. Can you let our listeners know mm-hmm. how they can find you guys? Learn more about 24-Hour Records. Yeah, you should just go to uh, 24HRRecords.com. Those two R's get slapped next to each other. There's no dash. It looks weird. We know. We tried every different way to get around that. There's no way it was happening. Yeah, and you can find us on pretty much every social site. And again, it's just at 24HRRecords. That's it. That's it. Yep, so you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Snapchat now. Oh man, oh, you I didn't getting even know down. we were doing that. Yeah. Hang yeah, with yeah. the kids. Yeah, right. We're trying hip to with the hip with the kids. Trying to relate to the 14-year-olds of the world. You're doing a poor job. <laughs> You're not allowed to stay up all night yet. Well, maybe at about 14 you might. You found Mountain Dew at that point. Yeah, you found Mountain Dew. You've had your first slumber party. <laughs> yeah. Stayed up all night. I remember that time well. It's crazy. I'm, I'm not describing a very rock and roll childhood, am I? That's okay, Lich. Pretty, pretty safe. We know you got cool after 18. Yeah, thanks. You can't stop cool. You can't stop cool. cool. We were supposed to end on that note. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you around the studio. Thank you. Thank you. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to Recording Studio Rockstars. If you enjoyed the show and want to help make it better, please leave a rating and review on iTunes to help reach more people. You can click directly over to iTunes or go to recordingstudiorockstars.com slash review for an easy explanation. And if you want more free content, all you have to do is text RS Rockstars to 33444. Again, that's RS Rockstars to 33444. And I'll keep you in the loop with articles, videos, and podcast updates. And I'll let you know about any upcoming giveaway offers, all totally free. Thanks for listening. I'm Lid Shaw, and this is Recording Studio Rockstars. Now, go make great music. Music.